we talk about growth, whether we're in a position of leadership and we're managing or leading other people is, and the other, and part of that is we live in this world or we work in this world where it's very performance-based. Okay. So how do you speak to some of those doubters who are like, okay, Lauren, why are you spending so much time with this person? Either they get it or they don't. Either they listen to you or they don't. Like, how do you speak to that? I think it goes back to the culture that we want to create. And it's important not only that I'm able to support my team, but that I have leadership that I report into that supports me supporting my team. So I think it all comes back to, again, like, is this environment one where you can thrive? And I think about the greatest sports players in the world. Look at, I'm from Detroit, Michigan. I grew up in Ann Arbor. And so look at Stafford. How many years did he play on Detroit Lions and could never win? He didn't have the right team surrounding him. And he gets put in a team with the Rams and wins the Super Bowl. Welcome to Worthy for 30, a podcast hosted by Eric Tash. Eric is a brand marketer who spent time in both the startup and corporate worlds. Throughout his career, He's come across remarkable leaders who've set clear examples for how to do good and give back. Eric sits down with some of the most sought-after entrepreneurs and C-suite executives to discuss how they're able to unlock deeper meaning in their work by infusing their core fundamental values. Worthy for 30, where doing good and doing well meet. Good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Worthy for 30. I'm your host, Eric Tash. With me is Lauren Gruski, who's the Chief Revenue Officer of Permission IO. Welcome to the show, Lauren. Hi, thank you. Great to be here. Excellent. It's funny, before as we were chatting before we started recording, we mentioned Lori Keith, who was on my show. When I posted the Lori Keith episode, I saw you engage on Twitter. And then, funny thing, our mutual friend, colleague, uh, Seth Ulinski, reached out and he said, Hey, I've been listening to your podcast, Eric highly recommend have having Lauren on the show. So I'm really excited to talk to you about your career and how you positioned yourself about all around this concept of doing good while doing well. That's the premise of our show here on Worthy for 30 is really showcasing business leaders who are making doing good, giving back, compassionate leadership part and parcel of their day rather than thinking of it as an afterthought or how can I do good while living, leading a busy life that we all have our obligations, our responsibilities, but it's really exciting and energy and exhilarating to talk to business leaders, again, who are really unlocking deeper meaning in their work by infusing their core fundamental values. So we would really love to start off, Lauren, with really understanding your background, how you got to permission.io and really speaking to your, again, that leadership style around empathetic or compassionate leadership and why it's so important to be a compassionate and empathetic leader. Yeah, great. First and foremost, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. And I love what you're up to in highlighting the work in the world around having work with a purpose and bringing the things that are most important to us and our values into the work that we do every single day. So I'm humbled to be here to share some of the ways that I do that in my work. Currently at Permission.io, as you mentioned, I lead advertising and brand partnerships and how we generate revenue for the business at this company. And my journey here really started in the the change of the industry moving from a world where consumer data was essentially brokered and leveraged by big platforms to a world where now 
consumers are in control of their data, their time, and their attention. And as we move to what's called Web3, sort of consumer sovereignty is very much at the epicenter of that self-expression and transparency around data, but really around anything that a consumer invests time into. And permission is a platform that rewards users for their time, attention, and data, and they have to opt in to earn those rewards and to grant an advertiser or a brand the opportunity to market to them. As I was exploring the next stage of my career and making a transition to big Web2 platforms, Web3 companies were really where I was evaluating making that shift. And permission's been a really interesting and expansive opportunity for me to be able to come into this space. So that's the first part of your question. I know you asked me about my leadership style too, but I'll let you tee that up again. Yeah, again, the leadership style, why is it important to be a compassionate leader? The reason why I'm asking this question right off the bat is because when we were ch- chatting, as we were getting this this episode scheduled, this recording scheduled, it really struck me of how passionate you were in terms of being a compassionate leader, in terms of motivating your team, your employees, but also really understanding the human aspect of leading a- as a leader. The buck stops with you. And it's all, yes, it's very important that you're hitting your key objectives key milestones, getting the results that you've communicated within the organization. At the same time, again, it's not mutually exclusive. At the same time, you really put a lot of emphasis and onus on, the again, that humanity, that human aspect of being a business, of being a leader, which for what it sounds like has been a really effective mean to those ends of really driving business results. So just would love to for you to just re- really speak to that for our listeners to really understand why it's so important. Yeah, absolutely. I think first and foremost, just as I've matured in my career and in my leadership style, especially over the last few years with COVID and all of the ways that there's really no way to not bring your whole self to work anymore. And so I think in so many instances, I've just developed and really invested in becoming a more Q sort of emotional intelligence kind of leader. And what I think all great companies are built by investing in people who then build the companies. And sometimes I think that as leaders, it can be very tempting to only focus on the results and not so much focus on the people who are driving the results. At the forefront of the work that I do is I I look to think about people and their position and when there's challenges and inevitably in every business, there will be challenges. There will be, I like to think of our careers and our day-to-day work like a a marathon or like an Ironman and that there's high highs and there's low lows and we have to support each other in each of these different domains. And I really try to, as a leader, also inspire my teams to take time for themselves, to be self-aware. And what I've noticed is that, you know, relationships transcend transaction. And so if we have those strong, formidable relationships inside of our organizations, they then also, that's how we show up for our clients as well, is with that sort of empathetic leadership style, empathetic advisory style. So yeah, so I think that's definitely something that I have my own daily practices that I bring into sort of self-empathy and then that infuses to my team, which infuses to our clients, and then hopefully infuses into the industries. And with this whole this whole EQ, it's funny you mentioned COVID in the sense of, you know, people, you go on LinkedIn, you go on Twitter. I love doing this. You go LinkedIn and Twitter, and you see all these anecdotes of people really reevaluating their purpose. COVID yeah. provided them the opportunity to really be introspective. What is what I'm doing 
really aligned with who I am as a person. At the same time as these these anecdotes, not just from employees, but also from leaders on we need to be more empathetic, more compassionate, really, again, understanding that now that we're living in this hybrid or this remote world, there's a, a implicit expectation that employees are going to be available around the clock. Even though we're on one side of the house, we're, we're saying we appreciate you as a human being. We we respect your time and your obligations and responsibilities outside of work. We really care. At the same time, we need to drive business results. How do you speak to some of this, let's say, BS or skepticism around this, again, this overlap in the Venn diagram between personal and professional life now in the times that we're living in now? Yeah, look, I think first and foremost, it starts with personal responsibility. And as a leader, it's up to us to set the bar in terms of, and I don't mean the bar so much in terms of results as much as I mean in protecting our time. And I work with a team that's made up of a number of people on the West Coast. And because I respect my time, I block my calendar in the evenings to make sure that I get offline and that people aren't scheduling meetings with me at that time. And I really honor that my team respects that. And I do for them as well. We don't schedule meetings inside of different time zones that are going to be incredibly challenging for people to have that work-life balance that's so important. But it's up to the individual ultimately to set the boundaries that are going to enable them to have a full life experience. And I think many times we as individuals don't always give ourselves that permission to actually set the boundaries that are going to support us in our lives. And we become, sometimes it's very easy to write a story about our lives in that's disempowering. As a leader, I think it's really important. And we're all leaders in life. I don't care what your title is. We, If we say we're a leader, we're a leader. We are who <laughs> we say we are. And yeah, I think, again, it really starts with the individual setting the boundaries for their own life to be able to operate in a way that works well for them. And then I think the next piece is just evaluating, is this the right fit for me? If you're inside of an organization that demands that you be available 24-7, that's a life choice. And we're always making choices every day. And so I think that's also giving ourselves the opportunity and the freedom to make choices and to be inside of an organization and in a culture that is in alignment with our values and the ways that we want to live our lives. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's great. Just switching switching gears a little bit. Also preparing for this conversation, I saw some interviews that you're part of talking about Soul Expressed. I would love to to understand that for not just for myself, but also for the listeners on what it, how it's positioned and again, how it's helping both individuals as well as organizations. Yeah. I'll just speak vulnerably here. I spent about seven years in Silicon Valley and loved all of that experience. It was really great. But similar to the comment you made before, I recognized that so much of my identity was made up of Lauren, the Facebook girl who built the tech vertical and developed B2B. And that was great. But there was a point where I had one of those moments (laughs) pre-COVID where I was like, what what else? What else is there other than this? all of these accolades that I continue to build for myself and essentially had built my whole self-worth and identity around? And I essentially had, that was what made me who I was. And yet my heart was 
was was saying like there there's more that you want to do there's more expression that you want to have and how do I create that inside of my life and I left the Silicon Valley in 2019 and I started my own company that I called Soul Expressed and this came on the heels of me starting to I took a sabbatical and I went to Bali and I studied Eastern spirituality and yoga and then I went to India and studied Ayurveda and I just started to learn how to integrate more of the Eastern teachings into the ways that we work as Westerners. And what I learned was so much of, for me, so much of true sustaining happiness came when I could authentically express myself. And so I named it Soul Expressed. And then one of the other gifts that I have is around business. So I have this like very creative side of myself and the arts, but then I also have this business and technical know-how side. And so essentially I just paired the two together and I was teaching sort of small businesses and entrepreneurs who are living in careers and taking risk in, in worlds that align with what they're most passionate about and teaching them how to use technology to grow and scale their business. So that was the sort of background to my journey into Soul Expressed and then developing that platform. And then, so while I still, there's still some of my world that has like packaged solutions for Soul Express, I don't actively pursue that business anymore as I made a transition back into working for an organization now and full-time have my focus on that. That was a gift that I was able to, to give in terms of my time and my resource and attention for a few years. And now have grown quite a bit also in just being able to bring my authentic self into the work that I do every single day and into the leadership that I do. And I'm reminded of that frequently. Like, how do I continue to show up and be me and shine my light and don't dim it down? Just to be my full self and live that soul expression and everything that I get to do every day. That's great. And again, it's being able to ingest and synthesize that sabbatical and those experiences and then figuring out, okay, why is this important? This is why it's important for me as a person, as a leader, and then how can I share this gift or gifts with people that I interact with on a daily basis, so I think which is, which is great. So speaking to that and about your authentic self, there's also this discussion that I've been come that I've been encountering around radical candor and mm -hmm. I with radical candor between two people but is it possible is it I think my question is is it possible to have radical radical candor with, with someone else before you're radically candid with yourself and it sounds mm -hmm. like from what you're saying it's not possible because you really need to really be there in the present moment as authentically in the present moment before you're able to dispense some of that feedback to someone else. Is that, would that be an accurate assessment? I'd love to get your perspective. Yeah, I think in so much of our journeys is like, we are where we are. Like we just have to accept the place in our lives of where we are. So when you talk about radical candor and being honest with yourself, I like to use this mantra in my life that's called the path is in the practice. Meaning like I'm always trying to improve as an individual and find ways to grow. And I don't always get it. I sometimes react instead of respond in terms of like, we all get triggered. And I think it's the opportunity. And it goes back to what I talked about before to have like self empathy with ourselves when potentially radical candor, we can't just use it as a way to blow up on others or to say whatever is on our mind. We also have a responsibility to, to wait our thought process and to be able to speak with truth and respect at the same time. And so to your point about being honest with ourselves, there are always times in 
work and in life where we get triggered or where potentially we want to be super honest, but it's coming from an emotional state. It's coming from a reaction, a trigger instead of an actual sound response that takes into evaluation all of the stakeholders and all of the things to consider. And so I think that it's really important that we lead with honesty, that we lead with truth and authenticity, but that we also respect all people involved that are on the receiving end as well. And one thing that I like to use just in terms of, I don't know if this may be valuable to your listeners, but I, anytime there's a, an honest or a sort of, you call it like a crucial conversation sometimes where that honesty is invited in, it's really important to create a safe environment. And there's some simple ways that you can do that, which is one, make an appointment with a person, share with them. There's something I'd like to discuss with you. Can we make an appointment to speak? And then when you go into that discussion, start with something that is an appreciation. Even if it's something as simple as, I really appreciate that you like a lot of colors in your office. I feel good when I walk in here. (laughs) Or you can always find (laughs) something. And then after that, speaking in a way that is a responsible way for yourself, which is when you asked me for this report, I was confused because I was under the understanding that this report is due on Thursdays and not Tuesdays. And so can I, can you share more with me about why it's important to have it due now? And so it's one taking responsibility and being curious about potentially a request or a surprise instead of blaming. And so I think just setting the environment to create safety, setting the environment where it starts with having someone feel appreciated is really important. And then being curious about what it is that is the matter at hand, that helps support that safe environment. And it takes someone out of the defense mode and allows them to be open and at ease in most cases. No, uh, 100%. I think we've all been on the receiving end of feedback. Mm -hmm. I think the most effective feedback is constructive feedback that's based on mutual respect. I had an old boss who spent 10 years at Procter & Gamble, Mm -hmm. and he always said the hardest part of the job besides managing people or leading people is providing feedback. Right. Because there has to be that 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 permission and that trust. Right. Without that, then it just falls on deaf ears. So right. I think you know those steps that you outlined are incredible because yeah. the only way we're gonna grow is by being able to not just only not only to listen to that feedback, but to act actively replay that feedback and then act on that feedback. Because feedback to me, and it sounds to you, is a gift. I yes and no. Actually, I see feedback as a choice because sometimes feedback is one person's perspective, but it's not necessarily the complete picture. And so I think it's important that we don't just use feedback as a gift, as a way to take in everything that someone says about us. I think we have to take agency over our lives and our experience and evaluate the feedback without it allowing to, if someone like drops feedback on your lap, that's totally irrelevant. I think sometimes it's okay. Thank you for your opinion. Let me evaluate that and then find pieces in there that I think are going to be valuable for me. And ones that essentially maybe I'm just not ready for yet, or I want to get more information to see if it's actually valid. I, that's felt very empowering to me when I had that shift in mindset of, yeah, but feedback's also a choice. Feedback, yes. No, it's a good perspective because, again, it goes back to what I was saying about that mutual respect. If someone is giving you feedback and you don't respect that person or that person provided feedback that's vague, nebulous, what am I going to do with this? 
then it's okay. Then why are we having this conversation? Right. So to that end, it's that choice. Like, okay, thank you. But in your mind, it's like, really? Again, it's not that that full, complete picture. And speaking to that, are there, it's actually a two-part question. Is there a piece of feedback that has that's, that sticks out in your mind that you're like, holy moly, this is this hits me between the eyes. I, I wasn't really aware or it's going to help me work on my trajectory. And secondly, are there any sort of just broad inflection points that have also changed or modified or strengthened your worldview as you continue being a leader? Yeah, I think there's definitely been feedback for me that has been very supportive. And this is why I think also it's so important to your point to have that relationship because when someone shares feedback in a way that is true and it is a way that they want you to grow from it, I think that's felt by the receiver. And so I had someone on my team once share feedback with me, something along the lines of me being a very strong leader, feeling like she wasn't being heard, her opinion wasn't being heard, or that I was like quick and fast and on to the next thing. And so like at that moment when that feedback was shared for me, I prided myself on being very productive and efficient. And that was something that I got feedback on that was a good thing about me. But in this case, I remember thinking to myself like, wow, like this is a person who I actually need to spend more time with evaluating her, what she's presenting to me and evaluating her ideas. And I need to make sure she feels seen and heard. And it was a really pivotal moment for me. In fact, like I went and took some training on more empathetic leadership because and these types of things lead to who we are mm-hmm. because she actually had some really valuable stuff to contribute. And I wasn't giving it enough attention. I wasn't giving her enough attention. And that was a moment where in order to help her thrive, she needed a different leadership style. And so I was learning to flex a bit more to someone who needed more time and needed more evaluation of their work. So I'm really grateful for that feedback. And I honor this person even as I reflect on it because it took courage for her to um, for her to make that request of me and to share that feedback. So I, I really honor people that can have that courage and share feedback. At the time I was managing her and she was giving upward feedback and it was really received well. So that's one that I think just sticks out to me to your point about the feedback. And I'm not sure, was there a second part of your question that now I'm completely reliving that experience and forgot your next part? <laughs> it's about inflection points, but b- before we get to inflection points or just broad-based inflection points that have, have shaped, refined, or strengthened your worldview or perspective as being a leader, we talk about feedback. We talk about growth, whether we're in a position of leadership and we're managing or leading other people is, and the other, and part of that is we live in this world or we work in this world where it's very performance-based. Okay. Based is input leading to X output. Right. And I don't think it's so black and white. So how do you speak to some of those doubters who are like, okay, Lauren, why are you spending so much time with this person? Either they get it or they don't. Either they listen to you or they don't. How do you speak to that? I think it goes back to the culture that we want to create. And it's important not only that I'm able to support my team, but that I have leadership that I report into that supports me supporting my team. So I think it all comes back to, again, like, is this environment one where you can thrive? And I think about the greatest sports players in the world. Look at, I'm from Detroit, Michigan. I grew up in Ann Arbor. And so look at Stafford. How many years did he play on Detroit Lions and could never win? They didn't have the right team surrounding him. And he gets put in a team with the Rams and wins the Super Bowl. And so I think it's the Los Angeles Rams. I got that right. Yes. Okay, yes. okay good. Not, not St. Louis. They, moved, they moved back to LA. Yes. 
Okay, cool. Yeah. So in any case, my point in saying that is I think it's really important that we always evaluate who's surrounding me. What's the environment that I'm inside of? And there's other metaphors I could share with you as well. In nature, when you put a bamboo tree in a small pot, it can only grow so tall. If you put it in a huge forest mm-hmm. with the right nutrients, it's going to thrive and grow huge. So it, we have to always evaluate that in ourselves as well. And if you're in an organization or when I've been in organizations that don't value people, they only value performance, then it's not the best environment for me because I really value people and performance. And I think over time, if we invest in people, the performance will come. And there are many factors that come into performance. I think people are one of the main factors. Are we investing in them? Are we training them? Are we leveraging their strengths? Do they feel like they have a place that they can thrive and grow in? And these are all the types of questions that As I evaluate my career and the steps that I've made over time, you know, I make choices that are important so that I can thrive and I can support the people around me to thrive. And so I think that's the perspective that I take as I reflect on the question that you've asked around performance-based. Right, right. And and then the other reason why I ask is as I'm thinking through the question, I married a a woman who's who's both both my in-laws are educators. My sister-in-law is is a college professor. So there's always this debate on, do we teach our kids in school to prepare for a test or are we educating them for them to absorb the material? And are, are are there other ways for us to know that they're, they're remembering or they're absorbing what's being taught. So a similar sort of concept with in, in the professional world is yes, performance is important. Yes, we're not working for nonprofit organizations. We're here to, to drive sales and bottom line growth. At the same time, what you're saying is they're not mutually exclusive. You can invest in people and by investing in people, it's going to over time lead to results. And it's not black and white or cut and dry, where again, we spend X amount of time with one person and we break it down to, okay, what's the revenue per this per this headcount. Again, it's not as it's not as scientific as we'd like it to be, which is a good thing because talent is incredibly important. As we're seeing on social media and the news, there's quiet quitting, there's the great resignation. I think it's a, I think it's just based on what I'm seeing, it's a great evaluation. What what am I doing in my life professionally that again matches or aligns with my core fundamental values. Absolutely. And I also think as well, we get to have the lives that we want to create if we give ourselves permission to have it. And I think these are the reflection points that, and I love how you're calling it the great evaluation because every day we're evaluating. We're always like, you can take it on the most micro level of what food am I putting in my body that how do I feel after I eat it? And the same thing is what am I consuming on TV that informs how we think, that informs how we behave. It's So we all have choices in our own lives that can support us. And the same thing goes into our work environments. Now, I think in terms of performance, like we can always be getting better. We can always learn. We can always grow. And I think that's really important as well. But there are so many inputs that go into performance. And I think that's something that we also have to remember. And it's something I've had to grow in into is I have to let go of the hero mentality that it's all on my shoulders and the sort of catastrophic thinking that if it's going to be, it's all up to me. And I think there's been a lot of personal growth in my life to say, this is a collection of the entire team and 
we all collectively have to be working together to drive performance, not just the sales leader. And it's my job to ensure that I can help the team get the right resources, that I can help them remove roadblocks, that I can provide my perspective, even though it might not be the only or the right perspective that matters. And so I think that it's just really, it's been great for me and I surrender sometimes to, to the team, to the organization to say, okay, team, we're all going to do this together and we're going to get there step by step, but we're going to get there. And I think that's, that's, as I mentioned before, like the path is in the practice. Everybody matters. Everybody contributes. Everybody rose. And while there may be a person in the back of the boat calling the shots and letting the team know it's a collective effort. And so I think that's really important to keep in mind. At least it's been really important for me. And life just feels better that way. It feels better to win as a team. It absolutely does. It absolutely does. It's funny, like I, I go into the office once or twice a week and I could do the same work at my home. I don't have to travel 30, 40 minutes in my mm. car to the office. But the thing that I love about going to the office is interacting with my totally. team, with the people in the office. Because again, we're all on the same page. We all want to work hard. We all want to deliver, but we all care about each other. We all want right. to collectively win, which is just based on personal perspective. It's not, you don't go into every company and not every company has that same outlook. So it's definitely very unique once you find it to really embrace it and to hold on to it. Yeah. Um, and my, I just want to comment on that as well. Like it is like the, we're all different people. We all have different sensory systems, but similar to yourself, I really love to be with people. I really love to be around the energy of everyone collaborating together. And I think we're trying to find ways to accommodate that for people who do also still want to be at home and have set up their lives in a way that it works for them to do the work from home experience, but still having them connected in with the team. And my team will just get together for these hour long huddles sometimes where it literally is just to be together, to share ideas, to laugh, tell some jokes, make sure that we are investing in those relationships that are the underpinning of the work that we do every single day. So I, th I couldn't agree more in terms of being around people and having that energy that helps build us up and build momentum in the work that we're doing. Oh, absolutely. And I want to end our conversation. I wanted to talk about inflection points, but something that you said about surrendering and letting go. And this is a concept that's been evasive for me for the longest time. How do you do it? Really? It really is, is my question. Yeah, I think it's a really, it's a practice again. And I, I have a very strong spiritual practice every morning. I journal, I write what I'm grateful for, and I literally write life as if it has already happened the way I want it to happen. And there's things that I write in my journal in the morning. I'm so grateful and thankful that we've transformed our clients' businesses, that we honor every ounce of investment that they make with us. And that's the life. That's how I want to show up. That's what I want to be true about the work that we're doing. And so I just surrender knowing that it's already done. And we, I live from a place knowing that it's already done, even if the circumstance doesn't necessarily illustrate itself that way in that moment. And so I just keep surrendering to a life that I know is, is true to be created. And that's been a huge shift for me and moving from like the striving and the proving and the sort of like masculine dominant energy to the receiving and the knowing. And so I'm getting a little spiritual right now on your listeners, but I will say as I think about like my health and my mental health and the sort of peaceful serenity in which I want to live, 
I keep surrendering knowing that that's possible. And it doesn't always come in ways that we anticipate them to come. And I think so many people say, oh, I met my husband or my wife or my partner, and it totally took me by surprise. And I think similarly, I use that example because many times in business and in life, like things fall right in our laps. They take us by surprise, but we have to be open to receiving them. And so for me, that's how one of the ways that surrendering has taken shape in my life on a, in the actionable ways that I practice that. And I don't always get it perfect. I find myself mm -hmm. sometimes striving and stressed and I just continue to keep letting go and trust that life is good all the time. Yeah, it's, I know it's, it's, it's sounds e easier than it is, but it's very, it's, it's to your point, it's a very, let's say regimented or daily process to get right, because when you're letting go, when you're surrendering, you're fully, this is where it gets evasive for me. It's fully embracing the present, whether it's work, but more importantly, it's with my family. It's okay, how do I not think about the past? What? Let, I don't wanna worry about the future. I just wanna be fully locked in and focused on the present moment. And what you're saying about surrendering, again, is allow, it's not forcing, it's allowing the universe to work for you instead of having, instead of working for you, instead of to you. Is what is yeah, what like life happens for us instead of to us is the mantra. And it takes time. Like I have spent years, I still spend years practicing this kind of work and I'm so grateful for it. I'm so grateful for my teachers and my mentors and the people who have supported me along the way to see the truth of who I am. And in turn, I see the truth of them, which is that we're all exactly where we're supposed to be, even when it's challenging. It's the challenges that point us in the new direction if we're open to it. It's that that is the way I want to end this conversation. I think it's you've dispensed a lot of great wisdom about about leadership, about that that human element. So Lauren, I really do appreciate your time. For the listeners who want to learn more about your work, where can they find you? Yeah, I'm on Twitter. It's just at Lauren Gruski. All of my handles are my name at Lauren Gruski, G-R-I-E-W-S-K-I. -E LinkedIn. Instagram. I do more Instagram stories than anything else, but in terms of on Instagram, but yeah, I'm definitely pretty active on Twitter mm -hmm. and LinkedIn. And if anyone has any questions or wants to share a story or just needs a friend or a mentor, I'm always here. So please definitely feel free to reach out to me, direct message me as well. Excellent. Well, again, thank you for your time. And again, for the listeners who are interested to, to learn more, to speak with Lauren, she gave you some, some clear cut instructions of where to find her on social media. And we hope everyone has a great afternoon. Awesome. Thank you. Great to be here. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow the podcast on your favorite listening platform or subscribe to the show Substack so you never miss an episode.